0: To those watching, welcome to 2021 as others have uh, as well. Uh, for those who don't know me, uh, my name is Mark, and uh, I really hope that someday I'd have the chance to meet each and every one of you that's watching online. I know that that's uh, distance wise may be difficult for some, but uh, grateful that you're uh, watching and, and, and that you're a part of our Kingsway Family and Friends group. Uh, I wanted to just say a, a big shout out of gratitude to those of you who responded to last week 's message last week, as we just talked about the new year with no fear we I shared that I had some opportunities to meet um, some people in our neighborhood uh one family in particular that was in some in a really really tough spot and and we mentioned that they would need a washer and dryer and I found out later that what they needed was a washer that 's what had caught on fire and and uh before I could even get home last weekend. I had the cash in my hand from people who said, hey, stop by my house, I have money for you. Stop by my house, I have money for you. So I want to say thank you to you because I was able to go back right away and, and, and let them know that that a washer would be delivered, that we would find a way to make that happen. And, uh, uh, and you know just watching their gratitude as they, uh, at that very moment, were on Kijiji trying to find one and, and couldn't find anything that they could afford. And now they're getting a brand new one uh, with a five-year warranty. Thanks to you guys absolutely, yeah, I mean, give yourselves a big hand, uh, you know. and then having the chance to share with her that, that God loves her enough to put it on our hearts to come and, and do that for her, not knowing her at all. And you could just see that realization. She's like, I do pray to him. And I'm like, yeah, and he knows you, and he hears, hears your voice, and he loves you deeply, and believing the seeds of the gospel will take um, root in, in their lives as well. And so I just want to say thank you. And then thank you to those who, after the fact, um, just sent sent gifts into to the church saying, hey, this is towards the washer. And we, you know, some someone came to my house and dropped a few thousand dollars off and said, hey, or go, go meet needs. Um, you guys have given enough just in the last week to have bought, I I think it's five washers, maybe more. Uh, so thank you, uh, for being, for being who you are King Kingsway. just, I, oh man, I just love this church and I hope that comes through in my, in my heart and what I share this morning because I truly do love this church and, and, uh, you know, as, uh. I feel just even privileged to have the opportunity to share with you this morning. And thank you for giving me that opportunity. So I just want to jump in this morning in Ephesians 4, verse 11. Paul wrote to many of the churches in, of the Jesus followers in the first century. And as he, as he was a mentor to them, he wrote this to the Ephesians. And he said, now these are the gifts, Ephesians 4, 11. He says, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. These are the gifts that he gave to the gathering of believers. He says he gave them apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers. And I know I could say, hey, you know, I'm a Christmas gift to you guys from the Lord, you know, but that's not the case because it gets real real right after that. He says, the reason I gave you these gifts is because they have a responsibility as pastors, as teachers, as any of these people. They have a responsibility and it is to equip God's people. It's to, to equip his people to do his work and to build up the church. That I, I take that responsibility seriously. My heart is to equip you for the, for the life that we find ourselves in. And he says this is going to continue. This equipping and this building up is going to continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That we would have a unity in him and, and, and hit a standard that, oh my goodness, the standard of Christ. That is a high standard and we have not achieved it yet. He says um, in the next verse, he says, then we'll no longer be immature like children. We're not going to be tossed and blown about by every wave of new teaching. I I love this thought. He says, you know, we'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And that's in all areas, I believe. In verse 15, he says, instead, we're going to be the ones who speak the truth. We will be the ones, not not we the pastors, but we the people, the 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 Jesus followers will be the one to speak the truth in love. We'll speak the truth in love, and then we'll continue to grow more and more like Christ, who's the head of this body, the church. And and verse 16, because it's him that makes this whole body, these all these individual parts fit together perfectly see the word together remember that as each part does its own special work as each part is every part of the body of Christ regardless of where you find yourself as you do as you do out and live out what god has gifted you to do it helps all the other parts grow so that the, the whole body's healthy the whole body's growing and the whole body is full of love And if that's Jesus' mission for the church, is that it would be healthy and growing and full of love. And when we say church, it's not the building, and it's not like some service or some denomination. It's the gathering of Jesus' followers, wherever that may happen, that they would be connected and growing and serving. And so today, I just want to title today's talk, Lockdown Living. Lockdown living. How, how are we to live in a time like this? You know, and I, I think there's three things that we need to monitor during this time of lockdown. And, and for as long as it lasts, these are three things that I believe that we, we need to monitor in our, our lives, me included. One, first one would be relationships. Second, we need to monitor what's coming into our lives. And third, we need to monitor what's coming out of our lives. we got to monitor our relationships. we got to monitor what's going in, and we got to monitor what's coming out. Because in the current lockdown, you know, even uh, last week, just reading through, through, uh, through the news that there's tighter restrictions coming to the Toronto area for, for different businesses to try, and, to try and quell these numbers, these case numbers, that, you know, they already have said, the experts have said that this lockdown, they don't expect it to uh, be over in 28 days. Uh, and we, we, we kind of knew that. You know, as I think about uh, the, the thoughts of lockdown and, and distancing people, uh, this this word isolation nation you know just came to to mind and I I think it's a beer or something but isolation nation is um you know the thought that even at Canada that we just want to isolate everybody from everyone else for their own safety and as I was researching different things this week I I just I came came across these thoughts about um, about relationships but specifically about touch about touch you know and as a, this image that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, as I was um, speaking, we had one of the gals in our church, Jocelyn Ransom. She was sitting at the back, and uh, she was feverishly taking notes, or so I thought. And afterwards, she came up to me and says, hey, look what I drew while you were speaking. It helps me to focus and pay attention. And, and I saw this, and I was like, oh, man, like, that's incredible. That's incredible. And as I saw it, this is, this is like one, a little a little snapshot of Michelangelo's famous masterpiece of the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, where the hand of God reaches out to touch the hand of Adam. And uh, I, I was reminded of that, you know, even just realizing that God, as he spoke into creation, he spoke everything into being. There was one thing he didn't speak into being, and that was humanity. That was you and me, that, that there was touch involved in our very creation. That there's something about touch that's hardwired in each in every single one of us. That every single person that you see around you bears the fingerprints of God Himself. Something to think about. Something to, to just consider. And, and you know, as as I was reading and doing further research, just reading through um, an article that Psychology Today had put out. This is kind of where it started for me. That they talked about uh, how touch has the has the has a has a power to it. it has the ability to ease pain and to lift depression. They're talking about the, the absence of safe touch in people's lives and 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 the effects of it because you know the, the, there's there's power in touch but what we what we often see is that there's there's an effect uh, that happens when there's an absence of healthy touch in people's lives you know there's um, a guy by the name of Frederick II uh, from the 13th century and the, there's much written about him but there's there's things written about him and, and his his uh, experiments that he would do with people, having the power of lordship over people, he used that to use people. And he he was curious, they said, uh, about what language children would speak if they weren't taught to speak a language. He thought maybe if we could just have a bunch of children together and we don't teach them anything, we'll find out what the language that Adam and Eve spoke. And so he put these, uh, these, these number of kids together and would just express rules that they would not be spoken to to see what would happen. Well, unfortunately, his experiment failed terribly because these children began to die. And they noticed something in that, you know, as, as studies since have shown as well, that when children are, when, when touch and, and physical interaction and, and uh, emotional interaction is withheld, they actually die. 1944, there was a study that was done in the United States. Just studying infants that were deprived of physical touch, and they found the exact same thing happened. The infants started dying uh, before they could even discover what, what the, the effects were. And so they said, we, this is too painful. We cannot do this with real human beings anymore. And so they decided to do it with monkeys, and found that even in the separation of uh, adult and, and infant monkeys, that they found even watching that was too painful, and they said, we can't do this with that anymore. Many of you are aware that in 1980, when, the, when uh, Romania and many other countries that have been under um, incredible oppressive leadership were opened, that they found orphanages packed with children in various states of lack of, lack of touch. 170,000 children were discovered in 1980 as those, as those places were opened. And, and, and researchers began to just follow their lives as they were now pushed into, placed into other homes. And just to find out what happened, you know what they found? That, there, that, that a, a prolonged absence of touch has led to a lasting effect on many of them. That a prolonged um, uh, a lack of touch has led to a lasting effect in many of them. And we see that. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take a, um, a lot of that to realize that these, these things are happening as well in, in lives around us today. In Canada, you know, the use of solitary confinement as a as a punishment in our judicial system came under review a couple of years ago. Solitary confinement was like the, the was the the place where they put the criminals who are, you know, who just aren't fitting in with everyone else or have committed heinous crimes. They have to be in solitary confinement 22 hours a day without any other kind of connection. And uh a couple of years ago, all of a sudden, this was petitioned that this would stop in Canada because of the adverse effects that they were noticing. That, he's, that the people who spent too much time in solitary confinement were uh, taking their own lives. And, the, and, and as a result, their families were saying, listen, this is an inhumane thing to do to people. It's discovered that it's known solitary confinement is known to cause severe mental distress, including paranoia and psychosis. It increases the risk of self-harm and suicide. and you can find that in an article that was published in the conversation uh, from 2019. Ivan Zinger, who is the uh, correctional investigator of Canada, uh, looking into to this whole thing, he described solitary confinement as the most onerous and depriving experience for people. So in 2017, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that Canada has one year to change its law regarding solitary confinement. And yet they're still still working at that three, now four years later. You know, research continues to show us that the effects of solitary confinement, of isolation, that have on people. And you know what we're finding? Is that it's also happening on people who are forced to isolate due to these lockdowns. Similar effects are happening in people. Because that prolonged absence of human touch, human interaction is having the same effects. Increased depression, increased anxiety, increased panic disorder, increased self-harm, increased addiction and suicide. And these are not just, you know, somebody's things. StatsCan 150, a site we've referenced a number of times, you can go there and you can find the statistics that are showing this uh, in our own country. They also talk about the police in our own country. And it was interesting to see that the crime has gone down throughout the lockdowns. In the previous lockdown, um, some of the break and enters had gone down. That's probably because most people were at home. It's harder to break and enter when everybody's in their houses. You know, uh, vehicle thefts, you know, that, that, that had gone down. And, and probably because, you know, people driving around, much more likely to get stopped and say, hey, where are you headed with that car you don't own? You know, the, the, a lot of those things went down. But what they saw that had gone up, they said that the wellness checks, people checking in, Uh, The police being called for wellness checks, up by 12%. Domestic disturbance, people in their own homes getting into altercations, up by 12%. Emotional crisis, oftentimes tied to those suicide calls, up by 12%. And so we as a Kingsway leadership team, we, we realize that the, di- the danger that lockdowns put on people, we're working on calling every person. And Gary mentioned that. We want to get in touch with you because we care about where you're really at and how you're really doing. You know, how are your relationships? How is your mental health? How are your financial, uh, is your financial health? You know, and I, we said, too, if you don't hear from us in the next two weeks, please email us because we don't have your contact information. Uh, and we would love to be in touch. Uh, many of you watching online, you're anonymous to us. We do not know who you are, but we want to. Because we care about who you are and what you're doing and, and, and how you're handling things through uh, whatever this lockdown may be. I, just, I want to say thank you. Last night, I, I received an email after last night's service of somebody who just said simply, I'm really struggling, really struggling. The anxiety, the depression, you know, it, it uh, lost a job, lost, lost a lot. Forced to be in isolation, friendships are scarce, you know, and the suicidal thoughts are there. Thank you for the courage to reach out to us. Had a chance to email back and forth with them this morning, and I'm grateful for it. Because, you know, the stats might be numbers on paper, but they're real people in real lives. That's what I love about Jesus, because he cares about real people in real lives, and it's what he's put in our heart. Luke chapter 5, I just love how, you know, Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke all wrote about this, this event one was an eyewitness, two were friends of eyewitnesses. And it says this, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. And when the man saw Jesus, he bowed his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And can you just picture that that, that moment? Here's Jesus near a village, and here comes a man whose condition was that their, their, their flesh would begin to rot away on their body, open sores everywhere, highly contagious. These people were asked to stay on the outskirts of town. And if anybody were to come too close to them, they would have to Shout out, unclean unclean I'm unclean stay back and Jesus meets this man and this man begs him Jesus would you would you heal me and I love Jesus response cuz here's what Jesus does in verse 13 Jesus what does it say he reached out and what he he touched him <laughs> you know Jesus for so many others had simply spoken a word and they were healed but what does he do in this situation he reaches out and he he touches he gives this man a gift that he hasn't had since the time he was diagnosed with leprosy. He reaches out and, and, and physically touches somebody who was created with the craving for touch. And says, and he healed them. I find that to be a powerful, powerful thing. You know, Jesus, he, he, he gave more than what this person was asking for. You know, in Acts chapter 2, I just see in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it describes the early church. Here's, here's the way it describes it. says, all the believers they met were together. Uh, They were in one place, and they shared everything they had. Remember these words. They met together, and they shared. It says they sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. I saw that happen last week with you, and I just (laughs) love it. Verse 46. It says they worshipped together, together in the temple every day. And then what what happened after that? Well, they'd meet in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship. Not, not, not to just numbers, not to their, you know, whatever. He added to their gathering those who were being saved. You know, the gathering itself was never meant to be isolated, but exactly the opposite. The truth is you need me. <laughs> you need me. You know, I know that sounds really cocky, but the truth is that I actually need you as well. I need you. We've been designed with that, that this gathering of Jesus followers was meant that that, that you need me, I need you, and we need we. Not just uh, if it's arbitrary, that you know, if it works for us. We are never designed to freestyle church, to just be, oh, I can do this on my own. If I watch a service online, I've done church. That is not the gathering. That's not church. The word church is, is the gathering. And so what I'm not saying, I'm not saying, hey, let's go spread covid. Let's fill the building with people. Let's just not consider the effects of covid. No, the opposite. Let's consider the effects of isolation. And what can we intentionally do to combat the effects of isolation that that hindrance of touch. You know, our world right now has created this thing where we don't trust anybody. All the people we know and love is now un- we can't trust them. We'll put our trust in what some experts say about all of these, about the physical health of people at the expense of emotional, relational, and all of these other things. We're telling our kids not to touch each other, which is like, you know, it, it's, there's, there's, there's some interesting things that I would want us to consider when we think about that. And I think th- that I said, we need to monitor the relationships. We need to monitor the relationships in our lives right now. And second, we need to monitor the information that's coming in. We need to monitor what's coming into our lives. You know if, if you 're asked or required to stay in your homes and stay in places where now you, where 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 's most of your information going to come through it 's going to come through the screen you 're watching now it 's going to come through one of these you know the phone the computer the information coming in can I tell you that needs to be monitored you need to, to you need we need to make sure that what we allow to come in is is truth social media the news et etc it 's all uh, p- posting um, different different information into your homes and into your lives. You know, I, if you haven't watched a social dilemma yet, I'd encourage you to. It's on Netflix. The social dilemma's tagline is this: "The technology that connects us also controls us." And I'd encourage you to uh, to to just see and say, "Oh, you know, I no, I, you know, I just go through Facebook and it's it's all good." I don't know if you realize that what's being posted on Facebook and what's being posted on Instagram, all those things are actually wired to to send you more of the information you already tend to believe so that it distances you from other people well, maybe not on purpose, but the, the end effect is it distances you from other people who feel differently than you and creates not just the separation physically, but now the separation emotionally and relationally in people. And it's dangerous. And the other truth is if, if fear gets peddled to you through these things and you buy into that fear, they're just going to keep feeding you more and more fear. Paul, a first century Jesus follower and mentor to new believers, wrote about this often. He wrote to the Philippians and he wrote to them and said in Philippians 4a, set your mind on things that are true. Set your mind. Focus on what's true. To the Ephesians he wrote, put on the belt of truth like armor. And that belt's not something that goes around your waist. It's something that goes around your mind. It's something that every day as you read things, you sort through it through the, through the, through the filter of truth. we are like, yeah, that thought, yeah, that's true. You know, I was thinking even with my kids, you know, does God love me? When they hear a thought in their head, God doesn't love you. That's not true. Truth says that God loves me and is for me and he gave his son for me. I'm not even going to focus on that thought for one more second. That we would filter the things that are coming into our minds based on the belt of truth. Say, yes, I'll focus on that. No, I won't focus on that. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. This is true, and this is what I'll focus on. And you know what? Here's how it happens. Yesterday, I had the chance to just witness this in my own life. Um, as I was you know, sorting through some thoughts and, and looking through some uh, news headlines to see what's happening out there. I came across this headline from CBC, and I just wanted to show it to you. It says this, this, this Nova Scotian historian spent years researching the Spanish flu. So here, he just posted, historian, spent years researching the Spanish flu. Now she's living in a pandemic. You see the second line. Here's what her statement is. It's awful because you sort of automatically have this bad feeling how this is going to turn out. If that's all you read, you begin to think, oh, wait a second. You know, we're in the Spanish flu 2.0. This historian, somebody who studied, and if you read the article, you'll, you'll see that they post a whole bunch of pictures and a, and a bunch of thought, um, uh, descriptions of what it was like in the Spanish flu and how people died, and it, it's some ugly stuff. No lie. It's some ugly stuff. She ends the article, or the article, the person interviewing her ends the article with her statement that says this. What would, as she's hunkered down in her apartment in Halifax... She says this to the world, stay inside and wear your mask. Wash your hands and don't be stupid, said Holmes Whitehead. You know this is not a picnic. It's not like the flu. It's really horrible. It can have lasting physiological, neurological effects that you really don't want to go there, so please stay safe. As I read that, I'm like, the comparison of what we're going into to um, the Spanish flu, as if we're in Spanish flu 2.0, and if you read that, and hunker down and be safe. Can I? Can I just show you? So, I, to me, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go find out. Is this really like the Spanish flu? And here's here's what I found. Here's a here's a graphic. We'll um, I'll, I'll we'll post it up just on the on the full screen so you have a chance to see it for a second. But let me let me just say here here's the Spanish flu compared to the influenza from nineteen eleven to nineteen seventeen. Is this is the this is the flu, the regular flu. And here's the Spanish flu in nineteen eighteen. Can you I just want you to notice a couple things this morning. Here, here's some of the facts. Look at what happened to babies in the time of the Spanish flu in nineteen eighteen. Twenty two hundred out of every one hundred thousand people, twenty two hundred out of every hundred thousand died from the Spanish flu. As you look across here, you were age 5 to 14, better chance for you. But if you were in the 25 to 34 range, 1,000 out of every 100,000, that means one out of every 1,000 people who was the age 25 to 34 died of the Spanish flu. If you go down, it got a little better for you in your golden years, but then as you hit here, once again, kind of the, the mid-60s and up, man, like the numbers were came back to what regular flu numbers looked like, but up into the... 2,000 out of every 100,000 people in those age ranges died of the Spanish flu. So we see some severe numbers, and we know that there was 20 to 50 million people who died of it. And so then I went and said, well, let me go see what's happening in Canada. And, and here's, here's our Canadian stats. This is what we have on our Canadian website. You can go to the website. It's posted there. You know, if you take a look at what the deaths that happened in Canada this year, there, the number's 15,000, but at this point, they show right here that we've had three under the age of, of, of 20, 18 under the age of 30. In the whole country, in a year, in a pandemic year, 90 people under the age of 50. As you look at these these numbers, we see that the 70% of the deaths were in this high, uh, the, the older age. And I wondered, what if we actually compared covid The stats that we know right now, what if we compared that to this graph that we saw from the Spanish flu? Can I show you what that looks like this morning? Here you go. Here you go. Out of every 100,000 people in Canada, the red line, it can't even get above zero because zero percent of people died zero out of every hundred thousand died in all of these ages all the way up to here we know the number and i can't really see i think in canada we have 41.4 people out of every hundred thousand canadians 41.4 out of every hundred thousand died not not 2200 out of every hundred thousand this this is not spanish flu 2.0 and if you look at the world the world numbers they're better than canada What I find appalling is when people call me and say, oh, you're not looking at the world numbers. Canada's so good at this. We found a way to be super healthy. (laughs) Canada's not even the best at it. In the world population, we've had not even 2 million people die of COVID from 7.5 billion people that live on this planet. That averages out to 23.6 people per 100,000. We can't even get into the curve. We need to filter what's coming in to our lives when we live in this place where where, we'll f- where the information is coming in from one place. And I encourage you to do this as well. Can I just show you one other quick stat Sorry, Facts. Yeah, I know. There's a guy named Ben Shapiro who just says, you know, the facts don't care about your feelings. And, and it's true. Because these facts are like, some of you are like, those are real people who died. And I'd agree. The facts don't care about feelings. But I do. I, I care about the feelings of our people. I care about you. I, I love our church family more than our government does. I, the decisions that are being made by someone who doesn't know you, I care more about that, uh, you than they do. I'm not sending this out and to be rebellious in any way, but I care about you and the situation you find yourself in. And I want you to know how to know truth, to be equipped to filter truth in your life. Here, Here's a, here's a quick thing. We showed this graph a number of weeks ago that the death rates in Ontario, you know, the survival rates that if you were under the age of 50 at a 99.6% rate of recovery, if you got COVID, you know, if you were under the age of 80, you know, it was 94.6%. And the total death rate that they had seen so far from all the cases was 3%. Of all the cases was 3%. Even this number, when you see 3%, if if you look at like Ebola, for instance, it was 50% of every person who died in the first wave, 40% in the second. MERS, which happened in, not that long ago, was 34% of the people that died. SARS was just under 10%. We're at three. This was, this was what was projected and what they had found early on when they were studying cases. But now that we can test more and find more cases, here's the numbers. 2.5%, the, the, the recovery rates are better on every single category we still notice that yes there was numbers of hospitalizations numbers of deaths those are not avoidable but we are not living in spanish flu 2.0 we are not and and children 0% the people who catch covid in this age range 100% chance of recovery under the age of 40 100% chance of recovery under the age of 60 99.6% chance of recovery, and we're telling these people they all have to stay away from each other? <laughs> uh, we move on. The truth matters. I don't understand why there's such a level of paranoia and fear about this. And the, and the, and the thing is this, as, they, as the Stats Canada 150 shows us the, 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 the race, they measure the happiness rate of Canadians and individuals. Do you know what they're, they're telling us? That the the level of fear and concern for elderly people should be skyrocketing high because they're the ones most affected by this, and their levels have not changed. (laughs) Most grandmas and grandpas, their fear level, their their understanding of life, it it has not changed. You know, most of them have been through way worse than this, and they look at it differently. But guess who's really affected? The greatest number, the highest change has been in the teenagers and the 20 to 29s. Their mental health state have changed by the greatest amount. In Alberta this year, there was more opioid deaths than COVID deaths. There is other effects to this that matter, and the truth matters. So Paul, no wonder when he wrote to Timothy, he said, remain faithful to the things that you know are true, Tim. Remain, and he continues with these words, 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true. It makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it to prepare and what? Equip his people to do every good work. You know, yeah, you can go and look at facts, and I do, but I'll tell you, that's not the most important thing. Getting his word and the truth of who we are and who we are connected to when we're followers of Jesus Christ and what that means for our eternity. There's no fear needed when when there's not a fear of death. That's what he came and did in our life. And you know, it's not just reading scripture. I'd encourage you to read scripture with us, but it's understanding what you read. And, and for some, you're like, I read it, but I don't get it. My invitation as last week is to, is this. You still, you, you might be just three days in, but can, would you join us? If you don't have the Bible app yet, would you get the Bible app and say, hey, I want to read with people? I'm, I'm like thrilled with all the people who have joined us so far and getting to post their questions and comments. And we get to work with one another as we as we study scripture together. But if you would do this, and then if you would just send me a text and say, hey, I got you version, I want in on the Bible, I want in on the Bible reading, whatever you want to say, just, hey, uh, uh, got you version, send me the, the link, I will invite you to it, and you can join us. I would love for you to do that. You know, reading together matters. You know, I, I was reading in Acts chapter 18, and if you read through the Bible project, you're gonna get to read through this with us. But in Acts chapter 18, it talks about Paul. Paul who wrote much of the New Testament. He, in the beginning of Acts 18, he's living in Ephesus with two people named Aquila and Priscilla. And Aquila and Priscilla, uh, they, they worked together with Paul. He would teach them. They would, they would grow and learn together. And then Paul moved on to, to, to um, uh, other churches, to plant other churches. And Aquila and Priscilla were there. And then later on in Acts, here's what happened. It says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in, a- in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He'd been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. So then Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, and they took him aside, and they explained the way of God even more accurately to him. Man, I just even think the preachers, man, we need each other. I'm so grateful that I've been in contact with other pastors this week. And we talk about, you know, what's going to be the wise thing moving forward for churches in, in this time. And how do we best, how do we best accomplish the mission? Meeting with our board and our SLT team and grateful for those people that say, how do we best accomplish this? And saying, well, you know, if they're going to lock us down to 10 people, then let's just have 10 people every hour on the hour. So let's 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 continue to build the gathering of Jesus' followers. We need each other. It's so easy for us to go off the rails if we, don't, if we don't have other people in our own lives. We, Like I said last week, each of us has part of the elephant, part of the truth, and, and being able to do that together. So number one, monitor your relationships. Number two, monitor what's coming in. Number three, monitor what's coming out of your life. Monitor what's coming out of your life. You know, there's the old saying that if you squeeze an orange, you'll find out what's in it. Same goes for a Christian. When there's pressure and stuff being put on our lives, we find out what's coming out on the inside. You know, I think COVID has been an opportunity to reveal some of the best things in the church this year. Like last week, when you guys are realizing, hey, there's people hurting around us, let's meet that need. Let's do it. Let's be mobilized. Let's let's give, you know, $30,000 away to food banks. Let's help families. We don't even know, but let's do it because we're the church. Loved it. Loved it. But I've also found that COVID has been the opportunity to bring out the worst in churches and worst in the church. You know, as you read through the news, you see other churches that are standing up against what they would call tyranny, but doing it in a way that just is not becoming of Jesus' followers. You know, they're yelling at police officers, and and they're demanding their rights, and they're doing it in a way that is detrimental to the gospel. You know, there's words spoken. Not all of them. Let me say that. Not all of them. There are some who are doing it in a very, very great way. You know, there's others who are yelling at each other, calling people names in Walmart. It seems like everything happens in Walmart. Maybe that's just where people can meet. But, you know, the name calling and the cruelty, you know, I see that. It's like, it's crazy. You know, and then the angry words that are typed out on Facebook and the angry responses that happen. Can I just remind you that Paul wrote to the Jesus followers and said this, of which I am one, Colossians 4 verse 5. He says, live wisely. We've been telling you that for weeks now. Make wise decisions based on the facts he 's like, live your life wisely among those who aren 't believers. make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation or let your words, what you say and how you speak be gracious and attractive so that you 'll have the right response for everyone. You know that right response that we would have gracious words in our response because our response matters so often we don 't give our chance a time a, uh, ourselves a time um, and a chance to respond. We just react. <laughs> Our team, uh, leadership team, wrestled with that this week. You know, what's our, what's our response going to be to the lockdowns? Because we realize we can be right, but be right in the wrong way. You know, or you can speak truth in love, but you can also speak it in hate. You can be passive aggressive, but it's still aggressive. And for each of us realizing that, that in our everyday lives, we can do the same thing online. You know, what comes out of your mouth and what comes out of your life, it's actually revealing what's going on inside of us. It's Jesus' words who said that. He challenged the religious people of his day in Matthew 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that toxic words reveal a toxic heart. We know the stats that say there's 43 people a day who are dying of COVID. But I don't think we really ever look at the other ones. Did you know that 220 Canadians die every day because of cancer? Did you know that 144 people die every day because of heart-related issues? Way more. But my question is, I wonder how many how many people are walking around with unhealthy spiritual hearts. How many spiritual heart attacks have we had this year? How many relationships have died as a result of toxic things coming out of toxic hearts? We didn't monitor what was coming out, so we didn't know what was going on inside. I don't know if you're like me, but do you ever read a post and your blood starts to boil? Like physically, you can feel yourself shaking. Like, do you, do, I'm going to go let them know gotta get, get, let them have it. They, and, and, and we do that. I, I, I haven't, unfortunately, like, I'm just a regular guy. A couple weeks ago, I got my, I woke up and I went and I was like, oh, I gotta pay the visas today and look at the visa bills. And I noticed on there that instead of giving us the money, you know, the, 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 the reward money back for Christmas presents, they delayed it. So now I've gotta pay that money. And then I've got, and they said, hey, guess what? You're gonna have all this extra money to spend in January. I'm like, I don't want it in January, I need it now. Should I call them up? Poor lady on the other end of the phone. Man, I was just like, and then Beth comes in, and she sees me, and I'm just like, I'm so angry, and, and and she says, what's wrong with you? And I explain it to her, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? Ah, I hate the way that I just spoke to that person on the other phone. Not, I didn't say any terrible words, but my tone said more. I was like, man, I don't even know who that was. I can't even call and respond. Rep- like, repent I can't even call and and say I'm sorry or nothing I'm just like oh and she looks at me and she says you probably better go spend some time with Jesus I was like thanks a lot Dr. Beth you know (laughs) (laughs) but but then I was like you know what thanks a lot Dr. Beth thanks enough for caring for me because you know what every day that's what I do in the morning I get up and that's the first thing I do grab a coffee and I spend time in the word and I just spend time in his presence and I, I welcome him into this, into this day that I, that I surrender myself again to him. That day I didn't. Didn't even give myself a chance to, to decide how my response would be. You know, I just ask you this because it's the same for me. You know, when you see something online and you want to react to that, can I, can I ask you why, do you, why is there such a strong feeling towards that? There's an old proverb that says, if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that barks is the one that got hit. And a lot of times they post something online. They're just posting it for the world to see. How come you're barking? Because I think those things reveal stuff in our hearts So we really need to actually not take out on that person, but to take in with him. Because how often do you feel better when you lash out at people online? I know I don't. I stew about it for hours and days. I don't feel better. Yeah, I told them, gave them peace of my mind, maybe for a second, then I regret it. Why? Because it does further damage. And so, you know, one guy this week gave me some great thoughts. He says, you know, when I read stuff that makes my blood boil, he's like, I just leave my computer for an hour. I don't even come back. And then he says, when I get back, I might respond. And with some great, great thoughts, great advice. So the question is this, how can I wisely and graciously use attractive speech in my response to this? <laughs> we can't ask that question. You know, that's what Paul's saying. Listen, this is our opportunity. And so I just want to leave you with this thought that those three things I talked about today monitoring your relationships monitoring what's coming into your life and monitor what's coming out that's circular it's a circular thing because healthy things coming in lead to healthy things coming out and healthy things that come out lead to healthier relationships and when you have healthy relationships they help monitor what's going in <laughs> and the circle continues so how do we live in lockdown man I think we need to monitor 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 those things you know we asked the thoughts uh, maybe I'll just close with this, it's why I love the fact that Jesus designed this thing called the church. And the church is not the church, it's the gathering. That's what he designed, was the gathering of people, and it was an amazing gift given to humanity. You know, Jesus only talked about it twice. He only mentions it twice in his time on the planet. Why? Because it didn't exist yet. But after the resurrection, it was mentioned 116 more times because it was important, this idea of people gathering, because it, it, it is God's plan for the planet. You know, we can pray for revival. and We can pray for God to do something on our planet. He is. It's you. You are the answer to that prayer. You are God's plan for the planet. And it is the gathering. So do we have to meet in a church building and fill it up unsafely? Not a chance. You know, do we have to be in a large gathering to meet? Not a chance. But do we have to gather? Most definitely. Most definitely. That is what this gathering was. And there's some powerful things resulting in that. And so... Would you take our invitation to say, you know what? I won't live in isolation. I'm going to find ways to gather with Jesus followers. I, whether that's through, our, through what the, the space that we're making available here or whatever it may be. But you know what? Saying, listen, we, <laughs> we will not allow isolation to be the part of this part of our nation. Can I leave you with a few questions to wrestle with today? Maybe to challenge you to ch- chat with others about today. Here, here's a couple thoughts. Number one. How are you doing? How are you doing, really? Have you asked yourself that lately? How you doing, really? How, how's, how's the marriage, really? How's, how's the finances? How's the spiritual? How's the mental health, really? You know, um, second, which of the three areas do you most need to monitor right now? The things we talked about, which of those three do you have to monitor? What, like when you were listening today, what things jumped out in your heart? Is it the relationships? Is it what's coming into your mind? Do you need to monitor that better? Or is it what's coming out of your life? And then finally, how, how can you safely be a part of the gathering of Jesus' followers? And I hope you have a chance to, to, to work those things through with some other people. And we want to give you a chance to do that. So please email me. My pocket's been buzzing, so I'm guessing some of you already have. <laughs> can, I, can I pray with us this morning? Heavenly Father. Creator. King of all kings, Lord of all lords, all powerful, all knowing, everlasting, God with us. What's impossible for us is possible for you. And so we just again open our hearts to you. Lord, may the words that we've heard from your voice today take root in our hearts. God, I I pray. For our Kingsway family right now, our Kingsway friends, that your presence in their life right now would be recognized and realized, that your love for them, that they would experience how high, how wide, how deep that truly is. That where there's fear, Father, that you would reveal your love in those situations. God, I pray for those watching who don't know you yet. That they would just have such a profound sense of how real you are, how good you are, and your invitation to them to trust you with their very lives. God, I pray for our leadership of churches in this area, around our country, that you would give them wisdom, that you would truly lead us, Holy Spirit, that your word says the steps of righteous men are ordered by you. Would we have courage to follow you in those things? And finally, Father, I just lift up our government leaders again today. They don't know you. They're looking for wisdom in the world when you're the author of it. God, I pray for them today. We ask for their salvation. We ask that people would come across their paths with good news. We pray for them that they would make wise decisions for our people and for our nation. And ultimately, Father, we trust you. We Simply trust you and commit once again to follow you with this day and this time that your kingdom may come. Your will may be done in and through our lives on this planet. That you may receive glory once again from sea to sea. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.